from realghoststoriesonline.com. Welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony Bruski along with Jenny Bruski and another exciting episode. Thank you all for joining us, wherever it may be. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever platform it is. We do welcome you and we encourage you to give us a little bit of stars there, some likes, some whatever it is that uh, helps the show grow. Uh, uh, positive ratings, whatever form that may be in, that uh, is what uh, fuels our show every single week. And we do greatly appreciate you and uh, thank you in advance for doing just that. If you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in or go to our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. And we may very well share your ghost story on a future episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Today... Lots of letters and uh, some follow-up, too, on uh, some things that we've recently talked about here on the little radio program. Uh, first one, uh, a, a real estate note, actually. A what? A real estate note. Okay. On, on something that we had talked about, about uh, buying houses and uh, if uh, yeah, what needs to be disclosed. Oh, uh, yes. When, when buying or selling a, uh, a haunted home. Okay. And the uh, letter just says, hey, Tony, just wanted to say, on the note of buying houses, it is a state-by-state law. I'm writing this off the top of my head, so I don't have a list of states, but I know for the fact, or for a fact, that some states require that they let you know about deaths in the house, whether you ask or not. That's Good to know. Uh, some say, uh, if you ask, they must say, uh, but don't uh, have to without in some states. Okay, so that's interesting. I wonder if that like actually goes on the MLS in some states. I doubt they put it on the MLS. But if they have to let you know? Well, I would say that'd probably be something, because obviously you're not going to go through a house without an agent present, that that's something that that's the agent's responsibility. I wonder how often the agent just kind of doesn't do that, though. You know? Although the agent, I mean... There's a lot of agent. I don't know how that would all work legally. I think I think the agent, you know, is pretty much off the hook almost no matter what happens. But you know, there's a certain number of houses that are going to be in that age where the chances of somebody having died just peacefully in their sleep or yeah. an elderly elderly person, you know, that's going to be pretty yeah. high. So, sure. and it says in some uh, places there are ordinances that say hauntings must also be disclosed. I want to know where that is. Probably a place where there's been issue. Yeah. You know, issue with that. Uh, 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 yeah, and that would be, <laughs> be great. Uh, just giving my insight on that. Always fun listening to the show. Randy. Thank you, Randy, for Thank your you. insight. I want to know what kind of person knows that the house is haunted and still buys it. I think there could be a whole business model set up on selling haunted houses. I There, there is a TV show, and I just saw it pop up on Netflix uh, called... Uh, paranormal home inspector or something of that nature we have to watch this okay thing. yeah and uh i never heard of it before i don't know if it's a netflix exclusive or what but um i take it the guys you know a home inspector you mm-hmm. know that does more than check to make sure your light switches are grounded you know he probably makes sure the spirits are also grounded i, I don't know wow i like that idea i think that would be something i would you know if we 
were to buy a house yeah. that would, had some age and could potentially be haunted, I'd want to know up front what I was getting into. I could see it also being a racket where uh, someone could do this. They could, because by the time you usually get the home inspector involved in the buying the home process, mm-hmm. you're usually pretty damn close to signing those papers, or you already have signed those papers pending home inspection. Sure. And if you're like a licensed home inspector, and you also are... So you're going to inspect for all the normal stuff and ghosts. I could see that being, I could see somebody really taking advantage of that situation where it's like, okay, I'll pass the house code test. Uh, But, and they'd say this to the real estate agent, but I may tell them the house is haunted (laughs) unless, you know, there's a little payment or something, you know, totally underhanded, totally wrong. But I could see that being, because that's a fairly unprovable thing. Okay. You, know, so you can go through a house and prove a lot of things are issues. You're thinking a way to get money out of the agent to smooth things over? Yeah. You want to sell this okay. house? Uh, that's fine. I'll, I'll pass the inspection, you know, if everything passes, uh, you know, but I'm going to tell them, you know, there's a demonic spirit in the basement unless you pay me off essentially okay because i was thinking what would be the benefit for the home inspector to say it's haunted or not haunted but now i see where you're coming from okay there's nothing if they're doing this on the up and up and it's a legit thing yeah okay that's that's my thing i don't know i mean because i mean in theory i mean if it's all up and up and the home inspector it's just you know they're going to tell you their honest opinion if the house is haunted or not um okay but again Fairly hard thing to prove on a home inspection. Yeah, I could see that. I get, you know, the. I guess they're kind of taking the the route of it's a med, you know, like a medium or something, or a sensitive. Would it? Okay, see, I was just thinking. Maybe okay, that's how it is. Would it be a sensitive, or would it be like a Ghostbusters type geek that has equipment that doesn't really sense things? I don't know. Things? Yeah, I don't know. I would. We rather, gotta watch the show and find out. But. I would rather have a sensitive go through the house, or yeah. if I get the willies, I'm not buying the house. Sure. So I would rather do that. But what if you had a great feeling about the house, and then this person came through and said, "Oh, I really have bad feelings about the house." Would that change? Even And you still went through again and you felt fine. If I went through it and I felt fine and it was for me, it was my house, then I would probably go ahead with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I think, because when I'm thinking home inspector, they're usually there for a couple hours. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a good enough gauge to tell me if my house is infested with spirits. I'd be in calling, a couple hours. In be, most cases, you're right. I'd be calling if 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 I felt okay, I didn't get any willies, and some home inspector with the gizmo that said there's some yeah. kind of electronic something going on, I'd be getting a medium involved saying, yeah. "Go through this house, tell me what you feel." I mean, it's it's going to be a. I, again, I think it's a fairly rare thing when you have the house that's like a haunting in Connecticut or the Amityville house. Sure. Okay. Sure. That shit's going crazy, but your average haunting. I don't know that you're going to be picking that up on the home inspection. No. I would say that probably a place like Savannah would be a prime target for that kind of a thing. You know, sure. the most haunted. Yeah. Or a property over where, you know, there's been battles fought. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, we got another letter following up here on another thing we had recently talked about. Uh, let me just go right into the letter. 
Um, and this is about the dangers of, uh, of ghost hunting. This is about the uh, paranormal investigations gone wrong, I believe was the title of the show. Uh, they write in, uh, Dear Tony and Jenny, I feel like there are so many dangers uh, for would-be ghost hunters. I had a few friends that were into that. I say we're, uh, I say we're because thankfully I've managed to warn one of them in particular away from that and the group disbanded. They used to try to get me to go with them, and being a bit of a stick in the mud, I always turned them down. I really liked your caller. I missed your name, but she was speaking about people provoking spirits in various mediums being an open door, like pendulums and spirit boards. Cisco, right? Cisco, yeah. yeah. Can't forget that name. I want to talk to her. It's so dangerous. I mean, other than uh, other than other. Uh, other than other, I don't know that makes any sense. Uh, would have uh, other than anything else happening, I don't know. Would have happened in a, por- a paranormal sense. It's dangerous. Derelict buildings have structural damage or squatters. It's just unsafe. That's my fear half the time is going into uh, a, an abandoned building, having you know some meth head or you know coked out of their mind individual sitting mm-hmm. in there with syringes and a gun ready or somebody on bath salts or, yeah i mean yeah exactly ready to eat, eat your you. face yeah <laughs> you know i'd rather not you know have that that's what i'm more scared of half the time than anything um uh, out where i live there's a lot of abandoned buildings where in the woods have kind of taken things back. Uh, a lot of people don't think that California has spaces like that left, but we do. I used to have one friend that lived in a town that, that uh, loved to go to these places and take pictures. I used to, get, used, to, used to give me the creeps. I don't know if she still has these pictures. The one place that she'd go the most was an old paper mill. She never really mentioned anything followed her home, but I wonder sometimes. The other friend that was involved in this kind of stuff, the one I have still talked uh, out of uh, doing stuff like that, has had some pretty rough experiences with nightmares, feelings of other presences, and a few other disturbing incidents as a result of dabbling with shamanism in an improper way. Now, I have talked to you a little about purification and such before, I've done it for a few homes, but doing purification on a person when something seems attached to them is very rough. It's not like an exorcism, but some th- sometimes things can get aggressive and stubborn, and it takes a lot of energy and persistence to get something like that to go away. No oranges, just salt and sage. Oh, I guess my orange idea doesn't work. <laughs> I always thought oranges were good because, you know, it's a positive smell. But you got to do the, you know, what you'd rub on a turkey. Uh, we got through it, but we end up having a long talk about respect for spirits and how to protect yourself. My thoughts on the whole thing were that as much as I love my friend dabbling in the occult provoking spirits and playing with things that they should have left alone, earned them something that they deserved in a way. As much as some think it's a novelty, it's really not. Don't get me wrong. I love scary stories and movies. I love that rushing feeling you get scared of for a second, but it's not real. When you turn off the TV, close your book, or even turn off your video game, something is not waiting to ambush you, which is definitely a plus. There are safer mediums of getting a thrill than playing with spirit boards and descending onto condemned buildings. Speaking of movies, you guys were talking about Poltergeist. They did actually see the ghost responsible. He was a creepy Old West priest that was trapped and bullied a bunch of souls into following him on the other side. He kind of looked like uh, from Phantasm. 
Uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, but not as tall. You uh, familiar with Phantasm? No, but I know who he's referring to in the okay. movie. Hollywood must have a stockpile of scary old men somewhere. Uh, I heard, and I'm not sure if it's true, that the medium in the movie was based a bit off of Lorraine Warren. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I know they've made a second one. It was pretty creepy as well. It followed a little girl from the first one to a high-rise building. The subject of actual poltergeist, they can be anonymous uh, and intelligent, like the legend of the Bell Witch, or they can be represented psychokinetic uh, with psychokinetic energy. Uh, supposedly, young women in their teens actually make up a large group of people experiencing poltergeist activity. The incidents are really random, tend to have emotional triggers, and it eventually goes away, usually when feelings and issues are dealt with. It makes for some interesting reading if you ever end up encountering any random books about it. It's been really great having your wife co-host. She's wonderful. I think eventually I'll get the courage to give you guys a call. I just feel more organized writing to you guys, Randy. P.S. The gravestone thing is really, really appalling. I think I would be uncomfortable with the fact that no one was bothered by them being sold there. It's probably a really good good thing you guys didn't stop there anymore. She's talking about these slave gravestones that were for sale at an antique store we frequented or went to once. Yeah. You know what creeps me out the most about the Poltergeist movies? Is the fact that there was a ton of issues with filming the movie. And the little girl died filming yeah. the movie. Yeah. that That's the thing that makes me not want to watch it. I think I saw it was a true Hollywood story on that. Was that where they really profiled the how screwed up things were on the set? And it was really... There was a lot of weird activity on that movie where mm-hmm. it was just like weird... It, it wasn't normal. No. And I don't know. Was it the same little girl for all three movies? I think there were three that she was in. I'm not sure, but I know one of them, she... Was it she drowned, I believe? Something strange happened, and she died very untimely. No, she. I think she had a disease. Okay. I think it was a disease. Are we going to Wikipedia? I am going okay. to Google this right now. I'm pretty sure uh, if my E! True Hollywood Story trivia is correct... I believe she developed some sort of a disease and it slowly killed her. Um, but they kept her... I believe she was in all three or at least two of the movies. And they... It was rough, though, because there was days where she could work, days where she couldn't work um, because of the disease. Okay, Heather O'Rourke. Um, okay, cause of death was cardiac arrest caused by septic shock due to internal stenosis. So that appears to be like you're saying. I I must be getting her confused with someone else. I believe she was in... She was in all three. Okay. Yeah, it was like, I believe towards the end of the third one is when she died. Yeah, and it was actually released after her death okay. in 1988. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, but if you look into that little thing further... And we could even look into that on another show where there was a lot of issues on that that set. And it's interesting because there's a lot of, of movies that are about uh, hauntings or paranormal. And I don't believe... Pol- was Poltergeist ever based on anything? I don't think it was. I think it was a made-up made, made up concept. I um, don't know. I will try and find that out. Um, or not necessarily a made-up concept, but a made-up storyline. I could be wrong. Um but I've heard of, of issues with other movies that had uh, some activity going on on them. I believe even The Conjuring had 
some activity going on within the set when they were filming that uh, was a bit unexplained. And you see that quite a bit in Hollywood, which is kind of bizarre and I guess disturbing. Okay. Uh, It appears there were some real events that inspired the movie. Okay. I'm trying to find out uh, something in 1958. Uh, Back in 1958, Herman's family became nationally known after they experienced unexplained poltergeist activity in their Seaford, New York home. And that, and that is what inspired the original poltergeist movie. Um, Lucille Herman was, was eventually, she's basically to poltergeist what Christopher Luke Lutz is to Amityville. Oh, I get you. Okay. So. Interesting. Exorcist, that was not based on a, was it? I don't know. I, I don't even want to look that one up. <laughs> I have never seen that, and I hope to oh, never see that. Oh, we should totally see No, that. I'm not going to watch Polter, uh, Exorcist. I'm not going to watch any of them. I'm not. We should sit down with the girls no. some of night, get some popcorn. No. Our two-year-old and seven-year-old are not going to watch those movies. So we could have some pea soup with it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a ghost story. Good grief. Oh, that'd be a fun Halloween night. Uh, this one comes to us from King. Ken writes in, uh, I heard this story from someone I met a while uh, we were sharing ghost stories. It happened to her grandpa when he was 23. He was taking his friend back home from the bar since he was the designated driver. Since he only lived one or two blocks away from his friend's house, he drove his friend's car and walked home. About halfway through his walk, he noticed there was a woman in a burqa sitting underneath a streetlight. Seeing how it was odd, he asked her what she was doing at 2 a.m., sitting on the ground. She told him that she couldn't walk and needed help across the bridge. She pointed to one just a couple yards away. Putting on his cool guy act, he gladly agreed and carried uh, cared for her and see if he could see her face and hands. Nothing unusual. When he reached the midpoint of the bridge, he accidentally fell and dropped her because he was carrying her across the bridge. To his horror, he noticed that both her feet were backwards. Shocked, she looked up at him and said, Just a little bit further, and you would have been mine. And she disappeared right in front of him. Her grandfather ran as hard as he could back home and probably didn't sleep that night. My guess is that it was probably a demon. The bridge was to cross over so she could take his soul. Anyway, don't stop doing your show. I love it and thanks for sharing my story. That's really strange. I've never heard of the feet backwards thing. Have you heard of that? No, it sounds fairly demonic though. Yeah, I mean, it really does. That's really messed up. That sounds like, you know, I, I, I don't discount it, but it also sounds like kind of a, uh, a tale that gets told several different ways. You know, there's usually a bridge involved. Urban legend type thing. Yeah, it kind of sounds like an urban legend. I wonder if it is one, you know, because um, this is one where it was beginning. A friend told me this story. Sure. It's it w- still a great ghost story. It's a great story. ghost story. Yeah. I just, I, I wonder what the, uh, usually with urban legends, there, there is some at least smidgen of truth to it and be interesting to trace that back what was the original version of that story and why why was there an original version of that story yeah you know what was it um 
Yeah, when you hear about the weird, you know, body part formations and things backwards and things and, you know, where they shouldn't be like that, that's usually something that's not all that special. I w- or hooves. I'm sure there's probably, if, if this is an urban legend, there's probably a version with hooves or something. Mm-hmm. Or no, no feet at all or, you know. Yeah. Kind of creepy. There's one around here uh, called Theorosa's Bridge. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of Theorosa's Bridge? Oh, yeah. Um, up north of town. I don't even know the whole original story. There are so many different versions of what has happened out there. Yeah. And any, anybody in this city knows about Theorosa's Bridge. They probably can't tell exactly where it is. It's a really uh, un... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's when I I've been out there once and not a very creepy bridge. I mean, I'm maybe back in the day it was like a covered bridge or something, but now I mean, you'd almost be hard pressed to realize you're going over a bridge. Uh, it's kind of like in a fielded area, very flat lands. There's a lot of crops and everything around, and when it's grown up, again, it'd be hard pressed to realize you're going over a bridge. Um, and I believe uh, the legend goes that, and there's a couple of variations on this, but I think the main one is that a woman, either it was an Indian woman or a pioneer woman or some woman who was disturbed in the 1800s, uh, threw her baby off of the bridge uh, and then, I believe, killed herself by jumping off of the bridge. And now, if you go to the bridge and say... Theorosa's name or some sort of saying three times uh, you can hear the baby crying uh, underneath the bridge I've looked under the bridge there's nothing there do you have the story okay uh, of course this is the Wikipedia version but it's oh it, it even has its own entry in Wikipedia it does it wow. does and it actually it's pretty accurate as far as what I can say I mean we actually lived in the town that is closest to where it was so mm-hmm. Um, the first and oldest version is set out in the late 19th century when settlers were traveling through the area. According to the story, a wagon train was passing through when a group of Native Americans attacked a settler's baby named Theorosa. Um, the the baby, well, they attacked and then the Theorosa baby was stolen. Okay. Her mother, grief-stricken and sick with worry, left the wagon train to search for her daughter. Legend has it that her apparition still roams the creek near the side of the bridge, um, crying out for Theorosa, forever searching for her lost child. Another version thinks it is, or says it's a, a legit child, um, half Native American, half, you know, settler, and that the uh, that she was full of shame and threw the baby into the river, and then she was stricken by grief and she threw herself into the river. So I think that's, that's where version. your okay. yours came from. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows, but there's some freaky shit that happens out there. <laughs> there really is. It's like what? Well, I've heard, uh, you know, on Halloween, most of the radio stations around here, they get their fair share of ghost stories going on. Oh, yeah. That was the original, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> fuel for this show. Well, and, and <laughs> just like everybody in this town has their own I knew BTK or somehow knew BTK story. <laughs> they do. They all have their own Theorosis Bridge story. Yeah. And there was one that really got to me that there was some kids that went out in the 50s. And apparently something happened to the fact where their car ended up on its roof on this bridge. 
I don't know how true this is, yeah. but this lady called in, swore up and down that that is what happened. Was this on my show? No, this was on a different station. Okay. But uh, to think of a car from the 50s and how heavy those were yeah. to be flipped over, I don't know. Because uh, I've had callers on my show about Theorosa's Bridge before, and it was essentially the the Wikipedia versions that you just talked about there. It, it wasn't anything too too far off those beaten paths. Um, the bridge that's there now is not the original bridge. It, I believe, was actually a wooden bridge that was there a long time ago, and now there's like a concrete, low-sided bridge, but you can go out there and you see all kinds of weird symbols and things, and I don't know. I was just saying if I could find one of the archive calls on Theorosa's Bridge, because uh, I, I know I have one somewhere. Um, unfortunately, I didn't label it Theorosa's Bridge, so nothing <laughs> to play. It's like literally, it's a ghost call, one, two, three, four, five. Um, maybe on a future episode, we'll find it and, uh, and play it back. But essentially, it's the Wikipedia version we just talked about. Yeah. So there you go. Bridges are, I don't know why, but they obviously, they just kind of lend themselves to ghost stories. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. Lauren writes in, my brother Oliver was recently on your show and he showed me the episode, which I thought was cool. He didn't say a lot about my experiences because he didn't know the details, so I thought I could share my experiences as well. The most vivid experience I recall is when I was homesick a few years ago. I had been asleep when I was woken by voices. The only word I can actually remember that I heard was murder. Another day, I walked into our kitchen and heard my mom's voice as if she was leaving a voicemail. She always says the same things in her voicemails, and I checked every phone in our house, but there had been no calls. I called her and asked her about it, but she denied that she had called. Occasionally, I would hear old western music playing out of nowhere. I looked outside to where music would have been coming from, but there was nothing there. The last experience that I'm going to tell you is when my parents woke up from hearing a noise, the sound of cereal being poured from our kitchen, they thought it might have been Oliver, but when they checked, we were all still asleep. They still didn't believe the experiences that we'd had, but I know the two of us aren't crazy. I vaguely remember Oliver's call. It's getting to where they all kind of run together. What did Oliver talk about? You know the details of Oliver's call? If, if I remember right, and I apologize if I'm wrong, but I thought this was the one where he was in the house and his mom and sister had gone to the store, and a few minutes later he heard their voices, but they had, you know, it was like kind of a journey to get to the store. It took like 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah, and that, that? That, yeah that's interesting. Where and this is where I think we talked a little bit about where we're like, is this astral projection where you're, right. you're hearing or seeing someone who's still alive and their ghost, or is it like a demonic spirit that's trying to take the form or the sound of someone that or something that you're familiar with to kind of lure you to it? And I kind of lean towards more of the demonic and in that sort of a case. Yeah, I. That's my fear now. After doing enough of these shows, I'm afraid. Anything that I somewhat think is somewhat innocent is going to actually be demonic. Yeah, that's the scene, and that story is, you know, almost anything that I hear or see, I just kind of don't try to interact with it. Like, if, if someone's dead and they want to leave me a message or something, okay, go ahead, leave your message or stop by and do your ghost thing. 
but I'm probably not going to like walk over there and try and give it a hug. Right. You know, it's like, just in case. Right. And I think they can respect that. And you're like, okay, I got your message. I wish you the best. I love you. Bye-bye. But, you know, because you just don't know. No. You know? And, and the more and more stories that we hear, it's just, you know, the more scary it gets. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call with your real ghost story. Uh, this letter comes into us from Fatima. Uh, writes in, Dear Tony and Jenny, I've already called in a few times. Thanks for sharing my stories. I really like listening to the show. English is not my first language, so I'd like to apologize for every possible mistake I've made in this letter. All right. I apologize in advance if uh, my reading of this is difficult, but we shall give it a shot. All of my stories are related to the death of my father, which happened in December 2007. The story I'd like to tell you now is not the scary kind, but I still find it very emotional and interesting. Hey, so far the writing's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, better than most people who do have English <laughs> for a first language, to be completely yes. honest. So, after my father died, me and my mom moved to my grandma's house because we couldn't stay alone in our own apartment where my dad passed away because it was full of negativity, grief, and simply scared the hell out of us. My dad died right before Christmas, so on top of all the pain we had to endure, Christmas was right around the corner, and it used to be our favorite family holiday. The day before Christmas Eve, I was playing on my computer in my grandma's house in the living room. The couch I was sitting on was placed in front of a window. My mom was looking out of that window. We were chatting when suddenly we heard something that sounded like a swoosh, like the movement of an angel's wings. We also saw a silvery light going out of the window and up in the sky. It moved fast and it looked like a little sparkle. We could also feel the air move. It was cold but not frosty or anything. The whole experience was almost heavenly and relaxing. Everything happened in a few seconds. We looked at each other questioningly and asked, you see that? We both knew what the other was thinking about. When I told my mom that I think it was dad and he wanted to let us know he was okay and he found peace, she started crying and told me, that's what I was thinking too. So we weren't scared at all. As if it was an unspoken message, this experience was the first step that helped us getting on with our lives. Of course, we made sure to look around the house to see if there was anything that could cause or sound of the breeze, but all the doors and windows were closed. We were alone in the room, and the fireplace was on when it happened, so we are convinced that it was a message from somewhere else. You know, I like that a ghost story like that can bring closure to somebody. Yeah. I think, you know, there's so much, especially if it's near the holidays, that's just that much harder. Sure. You know, and to have that kind of a, a thing. And if you both were thinking it, that's probably what it was, honestly. Well, it's a good thing, too, sometimes to know if someone was suffering or in a really bad state. And, and I don't recall if, if this person was, uh, but if they were not in a, a very good place before they died, um, to have that is kind of a nice little... Okay, you know, just for the loved ones who are still there to let them know that, okay, moved on and it's a better place and they're not, you know, suffering, right? You know, anymore. So, 
Good story. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story. We would absolutely love to hear it. And you can call it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether it be at 3 a.m. when uh, the poltergeists are going through your house and wreaking havoc. I'd love if you called then. That would freak me out. That would be awesome. That would be scary. Now, I'm not telling you to pick up the Ouija board and summon them and then call us. I'm just saying if it's happening, pick up the phone and call us. (laughs) And tell us what's going on as it's happening. Do a little play-by-play on the ghosts. It's like the telephone version of the Blair Witch. Yes, it really is. I would love that. And you got about eight or nine minutes there to tell your ghost story or or do play-by-play on the ghosts. Um, and if it runs out, just call back. Yeah, you better call back and tell us how it ended, or I'm going to worry about it. We're going to hear this like sound of knives and then the phone dropping. and then the, That would be so mean done. if somebody did that. <laughs> we're going to get that call next week. Yeah. Uh, next story comes to us from Chris. Chris writes in, this story happens a few days ago. I was laying down on the couch in my grandma's house, and out of the corner of my eyes, I saw a black shadow figure. I yelled, asking if it was my dad. No one answered. The figure just walked into the bathroom. The next day when I woke up, my dad told me that my brother also saw a black figure going into the bathroom. My grandma had an experience with a white apparition that went into the bathroom also. My uncle had also seen a figure going to the bathroom. My grandma's uncle had died in the bathroom by slipping and hitting his head on the bathtub. I am still scared because that one moment when I, uh, when I saw it uh, still scares me. Thank you for reading my story. What is up with ghosts and bathrooms? Are they just... You know, taken with plumbing, or what is that? I don't know. We spend a lot of time in them as as living people. Maybe they. <laughs> this is gonna be horrible. But what if, even when you're a ghost, what if you just have to go, but you can't go, and you have an eternal feeling of having to go? I don't know. Huh? I I that underst- would be hell. I understand. That's hell, right? There. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, I understand with somebody passing away in the bathroom, seeing the activity there, but there's a number of stories where there's activity in a bathroom for no apparent reason. And I was just curious about that. If, if like electricity kind of is their thing, if water Water. somehow is too. It's a, you know, an energy conductor. Mm -hmm. I, that could make total logical sense where maybe it, it needs to start and end there just because of, you know, what it is. You know, it is a conductor, and if that's how it's getting into the house or activating itself, maybe that's, I don't know. You know, when I was little, after I saw Ghostbusters 2, I was afraid to turn the bathtub on. Because <laughs> you're afraid the pink the slime, pink slime was going to come out. Just throwing it out there. You know, the pink slime never scared me. I was really disappointed that they didn't make it green slime. Because in the cartoons, it was green slime. I think in the original movie, it was green slime. And in all the... Well, actually, no, the toys, they made it pink slime eventually, too. I think the first runs were green slime, though. But see, green... The Slimer in, in the movies... Yeah, I think green slime. He's not scary. No. Friend. So I don't get how Slimer is green, but the slime in the rest of the movie's pink. I think that's probably why they made it pink, is because everybody sees the green slime, and they're oh, it's Slimer. We love Slimer. Yeah, that may be. Because uh, what actually happened, I, I know for a fact there was focus groups. It was originally green. Because mm-hmm. all that is is just... They tinted the film mm-hmm. um, a different color, um, and the original filming that they used, they and the tint was a green tint to it. Um, 
And then for whatever reason, I'm sure after focus groups, they said, oh, people don't think it's spooky enough or, you know, or they like, maybe it's a Slimer thing. And oh, let's make it purple. See, I would have totally turned the bathtub on thinking Slimer was going to come out of the faucet because I always wanted to play with Slimer when I was a kid. Slimer's are friendly. He's like a dog Mm -hmm. of ghosts. Yep. I would love to have a pet Slimer. (laughs) We talked about dogs when the kids are a little bit older. Let's get a Slimer. Okay. Yeah. Let's just get a Slimer. Ghost in a jar. Cameron writes in. To realghoststoriesonline.com. Hi, my name is Cameron. I am from London, England, and I am 20 years old. I want to start from the beginning, from when it all started. I was around six or seven years old. I live in a flat with five rooms and a long hallway with my mother and older brother. And yet, did I know this was the day I would be petrified of the dark? I'm still 20 years old. Anyway, we finished school, me and my brother, and it was the last day and the start of the holidays as kids, and we wanted to stay up all night playing games. It got to around 1 a.m., and we started to feel tired. I shared a bunk bed with my brother. He slept to the top bunk. I slept to the bottom. He was lying up top and asked me to turn off the console and the TV, so without hesitation, I did. Back in these times, we had every light in the flat off, so by me turning the console and TV, there was no more light. So I turned around to my surprise and there was this huge six-foot man with a knife through his head walking towards me. I could actually see blood dripping down his neck. As I'm sure any kid who would see this would run to his older brother. As I did, I brushed past the man by inches screaming for help from my older brother I didn't know what I was doing. As he looked at me over my shoulder, he saw the man, too. And he said it had a demonic face. I crawled under my brother's covers as fast as I could, and my brother was kicking towards me while screaming for our mother. Luckily, she came fast, and as soon as she turned on the light, it was gone. I always say to my brother, how come he was kicking me towards it like I was some sacrifice? But he says he was scared and said, Will I ever forgive him? Ha ha. Well, in that same flat, when we were older now, we switched our bedroom, out our bedrooms with the living room. And no one likes that room at night. Now, as it seems to be haunted to me, it's like when you go there by yourself, someone is watching you. My mother and my aunt was in my mom's bedroom while me and my brothers were in our bedroom. Like any normal night thing sort of calmed down from when we were little, there's been no more bragging at night, uh, banging at night on the cupboard doors in the kitchen or strange noises for a long time. But on this day, it brought it all back. My aunt said she offered to go make her and my mother a cup of coffee and tea, and she got up, and all the lights were off again, and she opened the door, and down the hallway, she saw a little girl sitting on a chair outside my new bedroom by my door, and it was shut. She screamed, and the cup smashed. I opened my door and looked down the hall to see my aunt scared. I must have walked straight through it. Ever since this day, we don't have the hall light off. And we sleep with that on. I've always felt connected to the other side. And I find it easy to see them if I want to. But I'm too scared to want to see them. But sometimes I don't get to choose at all. 
Another night, I stayed around at my cousin's when I was around 11 years old. And me and my cousin and my brother were up playing James Bond on Nintendo when everyone started to feel tired. So we turned everything off and everyone started to run up the stairs to bedroom. Unfortunately, I was last out of everyone and was last up the stairs before you get to the stairs. There is a kitchen on the right. So I'm last up the stairs looking to my left at the kitchen when I see a man wearing a chef outfit chopping food who looked happy. He's moving around as if I was watching it, and he knew I was watching him. He started to turn around, so I darted up the stairs to join everyone else. I didn't tell them, as I knew I'd seen a ghost and didn't want to scare the little ones. Later on, in the same year, down the line, me and my cousin were talking about ghosts, and he told me about him and his dad, and they had seen the chef in their kitchen when he was younger, And that's when I confronted him, and he said he saw the same thing. This next part of the ghost story is not related, but maybe more spiritual. There's not a lot of people I've ever told this story to, but I feel I want to share it with everyone. I was a teenager when this next thing happened to me, and it was, again, like any other night. I went to sleep and thought I was in a dream. To this day, I can't tell you what was in it. Tears, it tears me up every time I think about it. I can only explain it as pure, a pure white place with a feeling that everything is okay as I was standing there in aura of my great-granddad who was walking up to me. I found this welcoming and started to talk to him and he told me to look after my mother and brothers, and told me to live a happy life. I could understand why he was saying goodbye as he was alive. I remember waving as white light brightness came through. Then he walked through it and was gone. I woke up crying and sad. My mother came in and said she had some bad news, and I already knew what was going on, but I didn't want to believe that what it was was true. And she said, your great-granddad had passed away, and I think it hit me hard as he could say goodbye to me and let me know he was all right. To this day, I have never been back to that place. What do you think it was? Thanks for listening to my stories, Cameron. I think it was a final goodbye. I think it was a final goodbye, definitely. Cameron, I thank you so much for your story and writing in. I'd also like to give you a tip. Use periods. (laughs) (laughs) I think through all of that, there was about two. Oh, wow. (laughs) There was a lot of trying to find where the end of the sentence was and where the next sentence began. So, uh, but Cameron, I really do appreciate you uh, writing in with those, uh, those ghost stories. They were very, uh, very good. And that's, that's again, it's very comforting when you have a loved one that uh, is able to communicate right there at the end, Mm -hmm. you know, but going back to her first story, were you ever afraid of the dark? Um, I guess a little. Really? You know, I, I didn't like have like an innate fear where I was like, oh my God, it's dark. I'm going to start mm-hmm. freaking out. But I, you know, I didn't necessarily want to go into the basement in the dark by myself. Um, I was totally fine at, at night in my room in the dark for the most part. 
You know, there's, you know, I had a couple of nights as a little kid where I was a little bit freaked out, but I think every kid has that when, you know, your imagination is going wild, especially after you watched Thriller 10 times in a row. <laughs> um, you know, but other than that, uh-huh. not so much. Really? Why? I was just curious because we'd never talked about that. I remember you? I was somewhat in, when we lived in the house in Texas, there was a long hall and the bathroom was kind of about halfway down the hall and then the bedrooms were at the very end. And I was little and I remember being afraid to go down that hall by myself. And I remember my mom would always tell me, well, if you sing, the ghosts won't bother you or whatever you're afraid of won't bother you. Mm-hmm. So I sang my heart out going up and down that hall as a child. And that's probably the reason I ended up in a professional children's choir at some point. What did you sing to the ghosts? No, I would sing to myself. She said that that would, that the songs would like keep, the ghosts. keep, I keep them away. Well, what did you sing? Just anything I could think of. Any song. Shattered dreams, shattered dreams. No, it's probably, <laughs> probably a lot of Kenny and Dolly stuff going on. Oh, you sure. know, Any kind of song I could think of, Christmas songs, whatever. Those are happy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's interesting. I uh, I think sometimes when you're little, you can see things, and they're not always necessarily ghosts. Mm-hmm. I think you know you can be so overtaken with fear that you will literally project things out there into your reality. And I, I suppose you know later in life you can look back on it, going, "Oh my God, that was a ghost." Um, but I think you got to look into the context of what you're doing uh, around that incident. Because I have a memory plain as day, and this goes back to Thriller. Um, watching, finally, after begging my mother to rent the VHS copy of Thriller mm-hmm. um, from the video store. Um, and her th- th- argument about it was, well, for a while I was too little. But then it was, well, it's only like a... 10 minute video and you know it's a buck or two to rent a movie they can get a full length movie or spend a buck or two to watch a 10 minute music video um and eventually i just saved up my allowance money and we rented thriller um so we rented it and i sat there and i think i got my dollar 50 worth or whatever it was because i watched that thing god i don't know 20 times you know in the course of an afternoon and I'm about eh, six or seven years old or so. And I clearly remember it's time for bed. We were out on the porch and we we're just, it was just a nice night. Okay, time to go to bed. I go in the house and I am freaked out because I can see the zombies like plain as day. And I still to this day, I, I can, in my mind, I can tell you what I was seeing. I can see this vision of what I saw. And it was everything from it looked like the Michael Jackson type zombie at the top of the stairs, standing there with his hands on his hips, to a zombie in front of every door in the house. Oh, wow. Where I walked through, because I had to get to my bedroom, or I had to go to the bathroom, or I had to go to some, what, some door. And it was they were blocking the paths. And they weren't like lurking around or anything like that. They were just standing there. It was just, it was almost like a zombie mannequin, if you will. Okay. And seeing it just clear as day. And I, I do not look back on this as it was a ghost or anything like that. And I'm not discounting people who do see things and say they're ghosts. I'm just saying that sometimes I think you can get so worked up as a child that you can project those things out there. 
Well, sure. Because they don't look at it as like, oh, I'm really scared and I'm afraid a zombie's going to show up. I saw zombies standing in front of the doors. Yeah. In color, you know, full-fledged. But I would I would venture to say if you had not watched Thriller, you know, it wouldn't have ten happened. times, no, it no. wouldn't have happened. That's the thing. That's why I'm, I'm thinking when we look back on some of our childhood stories, also look back upon like what you were doing around that, because that may lend the answer a little bit more to um, but not always. I mean, I think I think a lot of us can identify just like that. Like, oh, well, I watched the thing 20 times. That's all <laughs> that was. And yeah, there was a lot of, I had, there was a lot of torture to the thriller as a child. Yeah. I, had, I had cousins who locked me in their basement and the stereo was upstairs. The speakers were downstairs and they'd play the record, just thriller because I loved it. And they turned the lights off. And I was cool with it until it got to the part where Vincent Price is doing the laughing at the end, and they just kept knocking the needle back to the laughing, you know, ah, 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 yeah. ah and then lock me in the basement. Oh. <laughs> I'd sit there banging on the door, let me out. Oh. Yeah, that was that was part of going. It was usually a holiday of some sort <laughs> when we were doing that. Yeah, that was uh, it was a thriller. Still one of the best albums. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, there you go. Uh, another letter. This comes into us from Marie. Marie writes in, The names in this story have been changed due to personal reasons. My nickname is Marie, and my story took place on a reservation called White River, Arizona, back in November of 2009. I never told anyone about my horrific experience until now. My best friend, neighbor, childhood friend name, Shasta, or Shasta, I think like the soda. I think that's how it's spelled. Yeah. Uh, also experienced what we came face to face with on that very cold, dark night. We were both 17 years old at the time. We were on our fall break from school. It was on a weekend, and we both of us were visiting a friend of ours across town. We were approximately three and a half miles walking distance from our friend's house to our house. Shasta lived one street above me. So, yeah, we were close neighbors. At 4 p.m., Shasta and I were at our friend's house. We're just watching a few movies that our friend rented. Watching almost all the movies. Then we realized it was 11 p.m. So we told our friend that we were going to walk back. Of course, we knew we 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 knew we walk anywhere because we knew our way around, and never thought anything scary or crazy could happen to us. And we always carried a pocket knife just in case. Yeah, they call us crazy for walking late at night. But it's the res. Nothing really happens until we started to walk back home. We couldn't call our parents because they thought we were at each other's house, which we weren't, so we had to walk back and it was freezing cold. To get home faster, we decided to take the shortcut that takes 15 minutes instead of 30 minutes. The shortcut we hardly took at night just only the daytime because it cut across a cemetery and we were walking in an odd hour and not hearing any cars on the main highway usually there would be just dogs barking at us it was so dead that night we wanted to get home quick before we froze to death Shasta told me let's walk faster to stay warm so by Maintaining our speed, we didn't talk the whole way. 
when we approached the cemetery, I wanted to get to the other side quickly, so I started walking a little faster, and Shost did the same thing, too. Once we reached the other side, I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders, because no one likes to walk in a cemetery at night, period. After the cemetery, we walk into a shallow trail where it's so dark, we used our cell phones as our lights so we wouldn't fall or bump into anything. As we were on the trail, we were at least 10 minutes away to get home. We passed the gate, which is called a V-gate. Slowly approaching the gate, I didn't notice till I looked up and got closer to the entrance that there was a girl who was standing at the other end of the gate. She was dressed all in black and couldn't see her face since she had her hood on. I quickly reacted and said to Sasha, Hey, there's someone standing there. Be careful. Shasta looked up and stopped herself in a flinch. Then she said to the girl, Oh, it scared me. My bad. I couldn't see. Excuse us. As we both walked past her, she didn't say a word or even said, What's up? Like every other stranger we come across strange thing about that girl was she didn't move or start walking the opposite direction. She just stood there, still with her head down. Up ahead was the only street light that was on, and it's located at a four-way stop sign, and our house was nearby. We were at least 800 feet away from the four-way, still walking. My gut had a bad feeling when we walked past that girl, so I said to Shasta in a low tone, Dude, did you know what kind of weird... An odd thing that was? She replied, what's that? I said, that girl, she seemed like she was waiting for us. Shasta giggled and said, why do you think that? She might be drunk or even high. I don't know. Maybe she, I don't know if she knew we were coming. Then I heard footsteps walking so fast, coming up behind us. Judging from the distance, my first thought was another stranger walking was going to pass us. Instead, the footsteps slowed down, and it was walking behind us, and then me and Shasta at the same time. We glanced to see who was behind us, and out of nowhere, that girl was behind us, walking with her head down. And we looked at each other and asked, who's that? We both didn't have a clue. Plus, it was so dark, we couldn't see her face. Shasta wanted to ask who she is and what's her problem. I begged her not to say or start anything, since we were almost home. It bothered Shasta so much, she turned around and stopped, which made me stop as well. When I turned to see this girl happened to be right behind us. We both moved back a bit because of how close she was. Shasta told her in an aggressive tone, Who are you? Where are you from? Why are you following us? Are you lost? She stood silent and waited for her response, but when she spoke back, I seriously couldn't believe my ears of what tone the voice she spoke in. She said in a low, calm voice, Hey, it's me, your friend, Brooke. Why didn't you say hi to me back there? I just immediately stood there in shock and knew it wasn't really her. Brooke was me and Shasta's best childhood friend until Brooke was brutally murdered in September of 2008. She was beaten viciously stabbed to death and her body was dumped in an old well deep in the forest. Weeks passed, some cowboy on horseback reported a disturbing smell that was coming from the area where the old well is, thinking one of his cattle or calves might have died nearby the well, but 
One decided to look inside the well, and the smell was stronger than ever. And they were looking down so deep in the well, they soon discovered a body, which was Brooks. We didn't know why someone would do that, but her si- but do that to her since she was so full of life and brought smiles upon each of us when we saw her. As we got the news, we all wanted to know who was the one that did that to her and why. No one has sat or come forward with who or why the murder was committed. It's still a mystery. It's never been solved. That very second I heard her voice, I turned to look at Shasta and the look on her face showed fear. Shasta said in a surprise, but in a mad tone, Brooke, no, you can't be. You're, you're gone, but how? But are you? Before she can go on, I quickly on her coat sleeves and said, Shasta, look at me, please. Please, it's not her. We both know it's not really her. Shasta was tearing up, but seemed to be very curious about that girl and kept wanting to know more. We were right under the streetlight, but the girl remained in the shadow, so we couldn't see her face. Slowly, Shasta kept inching her way to get closer, close enough to get a glimpse. I held onto her so tight, forcing her not to get any closer as I kept pulling her back. The girl replied, Why are you both afraid? You both think I'm really gone? How come you're saying that? It's me. Come closer, and you'll see. By her saying it like that, I knew it wasn't a person at all, and Shasta tried pulling herself away from me, and I couldn't help but notice that the girl had something hanging from behind her leg and quickly moved her right foot. I looked at the girl figure, and something just didn't look right. Then Shasta kept asking the girl how she can be Brooke. Shasta somehow managed to have that girl to come to at least a couple inches towards us where the streetlight was hovering on us both. Then at the corner of my eye, I looked down. I discovered that something with my own eyes happened to be a tail. A thick, long, black, hairy tail, just like a cow bowl tail, or longer. And both of her feet were actually hooves. I looked up at that girl. I saw that both of her arms were covered in black hair and hands had long fingernails and her face figure looked like a goat's face. Then the streetlight started to flicker off and on. And I saw two shadow-pointed horns that started to appear out of the top of her head. My body was covered with goosebumps, and right there, then I realized we were face-to-face with a demon. You must understand where we come from, what we believe in as, as a spiritual culture. In our language, in Apache, we call it and I apologize, I'm, I'm going to butcher this. Chalin Baigi, which means evil spirit, that can transform itself as an animal or a human animal figure. For it to appear to both of us is what we call a Daoni, which also means do evil or witchcraft. Our elders told us if we ever got approached by this evil demonic figure, for us not to keep talking to it or even to look into its eyes. We heard stories about people talking to this evil spirit, but not one has ever said they saw its eyes and described what they saw. When I realized all that I had, all of that, I held Shasta even tighter. She was starting to get closer, like she was hypnotized and kept wanting her to come closer instead of moving away. I forcefully had to pull her away to where she snapped out of it. When I screamed in her face, Shasta, 
It's not her. It's not real. It's not even a person. Remember, Brooke isn't even here with us. Out of nowhere, we heard a scary, evil, chilling sound combined together with a goat's whine and an evil laugh. I'll never forget how it made that sound. I was so scared, my body was shaking. So was Shasta. When I looked at Shasta, we both knew we had to get away from it. Then rather look back, and I quickly said, run. We were sprinting approximately the 100-meter dash. My house was straight ahead, and the scariest thing... This only happens in the movies or in a book that was chasing after us. Not having either one of us slow down, I cried out to her, don't look back. We were running so fast it sounded like a horse was running after us, but running with two legs, not four. Our adrenaline was so sky high, my house was fenced around it and was at least four feet high. We managed to get over the top without having trouble. We basically hopped over it. As we were running, I don't know how close it was behind us, but I could feel from the back of my neck its breathing as well as heat, which is an ugly feeling to experience when it's below freezing at night. I saw that the lights in the living room, almost to the front door, we had no time to unlatch the gate. Instead, we hopped over it like nothing. I almost lost my balance when I slipped, but didn't fall from the frost that was on the porch. I stumbled, but Shasta helped me stand upright. And I reached for the doorknob. My heart was pounding so hard and we were granted a miracle. Thank God the miracle was my mom, who was still awake. She was in the living room waiting up for me to come home. While waiting, she was reading a newspaper till she heard all the dogs cry so loud and heard me shout to Shasta, Don't look back. My mom thought at first that somebody was yelling at us for no reason until she heard us scream when we hopped over the fence and the sound of it shake and me stumbling on the front porch. She thought I was hurt or afraid, and the worst is that it's happening to me and Shasta. That's my mom opened the front door just in time. Shasta and I literally barged to the front door, fell to the floor, closed the door, locked it, breathing so heavily. The looks on our face were an ugly scream then, combined with a goat's whine of an old lady or a scream cry with a deep roar outside. The streets just echoed so loud from all of the stray and pet owners of dogs that were nearby that were crying and howling. My mom wanted to go outside and look at what was going on, what was chasing us. I begged her not to open the door or go outside, so I sat in front of the door and told her not to go out there. Then she kept asking what the hell was going on. But when she saw Shasta and me crying, we both held each other, asking each other, Did that just happen? Why us? Just so many questions. We had no answers to explain why. The time was 12.34 in the a.m. My mom waited till we calmed down and we told her everything of what happened. She could see it in our faces that we weren't lying, so she said a prayer for us. The night we both didn't sleep but couldn't believe it. Shasta went home at 7 a.m. when it was sunrise. My mom drove her home to let Shasta's mom know what happened to her daughter and me. She told her what we had faced, as well as experienced being chased last night. Later that day, Shasta's mom talked to a medicine man, and what he said was that Brooke's killer or enemy wanted me and Shasta to be witchcraft and have bad things happen to us in the near future. Is that we both saw this demon's eyes, but neither of us didn't thank God. 
believe it or not, it did happen. Honestly, I really didn't want to know how close it was behind us or what will happen if it grabbed one of us when it was chasing us. The strangest thing about that night was no one besides my mom didn't hear us or saw us being chased. To this very day, when I look at the clock during the day or awaken at night, I see the time 12.34 or 2.34. I don't know what it is about these numbers, but it's very weird when I look at that time at the right moment. Never again we walked will we walk anywhere late at night alone by ourselves. So what is up with the demonic spirits and the hooves? I I'm not heard that connection or, or Oh anything. well the the devil has his hooves. Okay. So when you well at least the you know representation of him in you know literature and things of that nature it's a, a hooved being uh, and most of the times when you have uh, demons represented in almost any sort of literature it's a hooved something so um, I, I don't know where it originates or you know if it's in the bible or okay. whatnot but um, that's that okay so yeah uh that was creepy. Yeah, I I hate that we are ending on that one. I'd rather end on a happy, benevolent ghost story. And then it turned out it was just my cousin Eddie who showed up with his <laughs> Halloween costume. It was a cow, and he was wearing a. <laughs> so, so sorry, no, that's that's officially how it's uh, ending uh, this show. Tonight. Well, you can't unhear that, can you? Yeah. So if you're going to bed, sweet dreams, everyone. Jeez. <laughs> Look out for the hooved man in the kitchen. Want to go to the kitchen and get a snack? No. Uh-uh. Thank you for listening to the show. Please share it. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, some uh, love there, some star reviews, whatever it may be. That helps us grow, helps us get more ghost stories for you, and improves the show every single week. So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.